all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Star Wars family? How's everyone doing today? Not too much new on our side of the galaxy. Sith are plotting and the Jedi are whining. Same old thing. Oh, before we get too far, we are in the works for a new show. We don't know exactly what it's going to be called just yet, but it's going to be a discussion type show with some fellow Star Wars fans and myself. We're going to be discussing, you know, the latest news and rumors and just stuff about Star Wars. Just some more great content for everybody to enjoy. We will be announcing the release date soon. Just have to work out all the bugs. So be on the lookout for that. Now let's get to the book, because when we left Bane last week, he had just been healed of the poison and he was headed to Rusan. So let's find out what's happening. When the Valsen arrived at Rusan, Bane was surprised to find both Sith and Jedi fleets in the system. The Sith had formed a blockade around the planet, obviously trying to prevent the Jedi from bringing reinforcements to their fellows on the surface. Yet to Bane's eye, it appeared that the Jedi were making no effort to run the blockade. Their ships seemed content to wait, lurking just beyond the range of enemy fire. And the Sith couldn't attack without breaking formation and exposing their lines. The result was a tense stalemate, with neither side willing to make the first move. Despite the blockade, Bane was able to land his ship on Rusan without drawing the attention of either fleet. The Jedi weren't concerned with ships going to the planet, and the Sith were patrolling in patterns designed to guard against large-scale incursions. The blockade was meant to stop troop transports, supply ships, and their escorts. It was all but useless against a single scout vessel or fighter. His sensors picked up the Sith encampment soon after he breached the atmosphere, and he brought the Valsen in on the far side of the world. The blockade patrols hadn't spotted him, and he'd disabled the ship's beacon before leaving Lehan. Nobody knew he was here. He planned to keep it that way for a while longer. He set the ship down in the cover of a small range of foothills, several kilometers from the encampment. He would draw less attention approaching on foot, and he wanted to keep the Valsen's location secret in case he needed it to make a quick escape. He disembarked and began the long hike to meet up with Khan and his fellow Sith. The feel of this planet was far different from any of the others he'd been on. This was a tired world, weary and spent with the endless wars being waged across its surface. There was a malaise in the air, like some infectious disease of mind and spirit. The force was strong on Rusan, inevitable given the vast numbers of Sith and Jedi there. Yet he sensed it was in turmoil, a maelstrom of confusion and conflict. Neither the dark nor light held sway. Instead, they collided and fused becoming an obscene, indecisive gray. Far to the east, he could see the edges of Rusan's great forests. He could sense the Jedi hiding deep within them, though they used the light side to mask their exact location. The Sith encampment was to the west, several kilometers away from the forest's borders. Between them stretched a vast panorama of gently rolling hills and plains, the site of all the major battles that had been fought on Rusan so far. The constant fighting had been punctuated by six full-scale engagements, battles where each side had brought its full strength to bear in an effort to wipe out the enemy, or at least drive them from the world. Three times, Hoth and the Army of Light had seized the upper hand, 
The other three had gone to Khan and his brotherhood. Yet none of the victories had been decisive enough to bring an end to the war. From the pungent smell of death, Bane suspected some smaller confrontation had been recently fought over this territory as well. His suspicions were confirmed when he crested a rise and came across a scene of slaughter. It was hard to tell who had won. Bodies clad in the garb of each side were everywhere, intermingled, as if the combatants had remained locked together in hatred long after they'd all been slain. Most of the dead were likely to be followers of the Jedi or minions of the Sith, rather than actual Jedi Knights or members of the Brotherhood, though he noticed dark Sith robes and a handful of the bodies. Hovering above the killing field were the Bouncers, a unique species native to Rusan. There were at least half a dozen, spherical in shape and of various sizes, with most being between one and two meters across. Their round bodies were covered with thick green fur, as were the fin-like appendages protruding from their sides and the long ribbon-like tails that streamed out behind them. They had no visible facial features other than dark, lidless eyes. Reports indicated they were sentient, yet to Bane they looked like animals, scavenging the remains of the battle. As he approached, he realized they were communicating, though they possessed no mouths. Somehow, they were projecting mental images of succor and comfort, as if they sought to heal the wounds of the scarred land beneath them. They scattered at Bane's approach, whisking themselves away like a bizarre school of fish, capable of swimming through the skies. As he drew nearer, he realized they'd been congregating over one of the fallen. The human man was not quite dead, though the gaping wound in his gut gave stark evidence that he wouldn't live to see the night. He wore the robes of the Sith, and the shattered remains of a lightsaber's hilt lay near his outstretched hand. Bane recognized him as one of the lesser students from the Academy on Korriban. So weak in the dark side, it wasn't even worth the bother of learning his name. Yet he knew Bane. With a groan, the man rolled onto his back and hauled himself up to a sitting position, leaning his head and shoulders against a nearby stone. His eyes, glazed and dilated, cleared momentarily and came into focus. Lord Bane, he gasped. Khan told us you were dead. There was no point in replying, so Bane said nothing. You missed the fight, the man mumbled, the words hard to hear through the choking bubbles of blood welling up in his throat. A coughing fit cut off what he was going to say next. He was too weak to even bring up his hand to cover his mouth as he spewed red spots over Bane's dark boots. The battle was glorious, he finally croaked out. It's an honor to fall in such a splendid battle. Bane laughed loudly, the only appropriate response to such ridiculous stupidity. Glory means nothing for the dead, he said though it wasn't clear if the man could even hear him in his fevered state. He turned to go, then paused when he felt a feeble tug on his heel. Help me, Lord Bane. Lifting his boot free of the clutching hand, Bane answered, My name is Darth Bane. There was a sickening crunch as his boot slammed down, grinding the man's skull into the rocks, propping him up. His body convulsed once, then lay still. The purging of the Sith 
had begun. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Lord Khan lay on his back on a small cot in his tent, eyes closed, gently massaging his temples. The strain of keeping his followers united in a common cause was taking a heavy toll, and his head constantly pulsed with a dull and relentless ache. Despite the success in recent battles with the Jedi and Rusan, the mood in the Sith camp was tense. They had been on Rusan too long, far too long, and reports kept filtering in of Republic victories in distant systems. Even with his ability to manipulate and influence the minds of the other Dark Lords, it was becoming more and more difficult to keep the Brotherhood focused on their battle against the Army of Light. He knew there was one sure way to end the war and end it quickly. The Thought Bomb. He'd spent many nights wondering if he dared to use it. If they lured the Jedi in and unleashed the Thought Bomb, its blast would completely obliterate their enemies. But would the combined will of the Brotherhood be strong enough to survive such power? Or would they get swept up in the backlash of the explosion? Time and again he dismissed it as too dangerous, a weapon so terrible that even he, a Dark Lord of the Sith, was afraid to use it. Yet each time he considered it for a few moments longer before backing away from the Abyss. A sound outside the tent caused him to open his eyes and sit up sharply. A second later, Githany, now seen by many as his right hand, poked her head in. They're ready for you, Lord Khan. He nodded and rose to his feet, taking a second to calm and compose himself. If he showed any weakness, the others might turn against him. He couldn't let that happen. Not now, when they were so close to ultimate victory. That was why he'd summoned the other Dark Lords one final gathering to strengthen their resolve and assure their continued loyalty. Githany led the way through the camp, and he followed her to the large tent where the other Sith Lords were waiting for him. He entered with conviction and purpose, projecting an aura of confidence and authority. As was customary, whenever he entered a room, those in the assemblage rose to their feet as a sign of respect. There was one, however, who remained seated, arms folded across his thick chest. Are you too heavy to rise, Lord Copage? Githany asked pointedly. I thought we were all equals in the Brotherhood. The Twilix snarled back, speaking more to Khan than to her. Khan knew he had to tread carefully. This was not the first time Copage had been the voice of dissent, and many of the others took their cues from him. Unfortunately, he was also one of the most difficult to influence and control. Equals. Quite right, Lord Corpage, he said with a weary smile. 
Remain seated. All of you, we have no need of these pointless formalities. The rest of the group did as he bade and found their seats once more, though it was clear everyone still felt the tension between the two of them. He let a wave of soothing reassurance ripple out across the room as he crossed over to the strategy table. The war against the Jedi is almost won, he declared. They are on the verge of collapse. They've retreated into the forests, but they are running out of places to hide. Kopesh snorted derisively. We've heard that refrain one too many times. It took tremendous effort to maintain his composure, but somehow Lord Khan managed to reply in a calm, even voice. Anyone who has doubts about our strategy here in Rusan is free to speak, he offered. As has already been pointed out in this meeting, we are all equals in the Brotherhood of Darkness. It's not just Rusan I'm worried about, Kolpesh replied, accepting the bait and rising to his feet. We've lost ground everywhere else in the galaxy. We had the Republic reeling. But instead of finishing them off, we let them regroup. Most of our early victories came before the Jedi joined their cause, Khan reminded him. The point of attacking the Republic in the first place was to draw the Jedi out. We wanted to force them into a battle of our choosing. This battle, here on Rusan, now we are on the verge of wiping them out. And with the Jedi gone, we can easily reclaim the worlds that have slipped back under the Republic's control. And many more besides. Though Kopesh was silent, there were murmurs of agreement from the other Sith Lords. Khan pressed his point even farther. Once we wipe out the enemy here on Rusan, our armies will sweep across the galaxy virtually unopposed. Conquering territory in every sector, we will encircle Coruscant and the other core worlds like a noose, drawing ever tighter until we choke the very life out of the Republic. There was a roar of approval from the crowd. When Kopesh spoke again, even he seemed to have lost some of his hostility. But victory here is not assured. We may have Hoth's army surrounded and pinned down. But there's a Jedi fleet with hundreds of reinforcements lurking on the edges of this system. Their reinforcements are on the edge of the system, Khan admitted with a nod, not bothering to deny what every single one of them knew to be fact. Just as they have been for the past week. And that's exactly where they will stay, far away from the surface where they are needed. The bulk of our fleet is in orbit around Rusan itself, and the Jedi lack the numbers or the firepower to break through our blockade. If they can't unite their numbers with those here on the surface, Hoth and his followers will fall. And once we have finished them off, we can mop up the tattered remnants of the Order at our leisure. Kopesh, mollified, sat down with one final comment. Then let's finish Hoth off quickly and get off this blasted rock. That's exactly the point of this strategy conference, Khan said with a smile, knowing he had once again averted a potential schism in the Brotherhood. We may have lost a few skirmishes here and there, but we are about to win the war. 
Githany stepped up and handed him a hollow map with the latest data from their reconnaissance drones. He gave her a nod of thanks and unfurled it on the table, then bent down for a closer look. Our spies indicate Hoth's main camp is located here, he said, jabbing a finger at a heavily wooded section of the map. If we can flush them out of the forest, we might be able to... He stopped short as a dark shadow fell across the map. What now? he demanded, pounding his fist on the table and snapping his head up to find the cause of this latest interruption. An enormous mountain of a man stood in the doorway, blocking the light streaming in from outside. He was tall and completely bald, with a heavy brow and hard, unforgiving features. He wore the black armor and robes of the Sith, and a hook-handled lightsaber hung at his side. Though he had never met the man before, Lord Khan had heard enough about him to know exactly who he was. Darth Bane! he exclaimed. He cast a quick glance in Githany's direction, wondering if she had betrayed him. From the expression on her face, it was obvious she was just as surprised as he was to see their visitor alive and well. We... we thought you were dead, he began uncertainly. How did... I'm tired, Bane interrupted. Do you mind if I sit? Of course, Khan quickly agreed. Anything for a brother. The big man sneered as he settled into one of the nearby chairs. Thank you, brother. There was something in his tone that put Khan's guard up. What was he doing here? Did he know that Githany had tried to poison him? Did he know Khan had sent her? Please continue with your strategy. Bane urged with a casual wave of his hand. Khan's hackles rose. It was as if he was being given permission to continue, as if Bane was the one in charge. Gritting his teeth, he looked down at the map again and resumed where he'd left off. As I was saying, the Jedi are hiding in the forests. We can flush them out if we split our numbers. If we deploy our flyers, we can flank their southern lines. Ah! Bane spat out, slapping his open palm down hard on the table. Deploying flyers and flanking armies, he mocked, rising to his feet and thrusting an accusing finger at Khan. You're thinking like a dirt general, not a Sith Lord. A heavy silence had fallen across the room. Even Khan was left speechless. He could feel all eyes on him, watching intently to see what would happen next. Bane stepped in close, his face just centimeters from Khan's own. How did you ever find the guts to poison me? He asked in a low, menacing whisper. I... that wasn't me. Khan stammered as Bane turned his back on him. Don't apologize for using cunning and trickery, the big man admonished, moving over to the strategy table. I admire you for it. We are Sith, the servants of the dark side, he continued, bending down to study the troop positions and tactical layouts spread out before him. Now look at this map and think like a Sith. Don't just fight in the forest. Destroy the forest. It was Githany who finally broke the ensuing silence, asking the question on everyone's mind. And just how do you propose we do that? Bane turned back to them with an evil grin. I can show you. 
Night had fallen, but in the lights of the blazing campfires, Bane could see the others scurrying to and fro, making the preparations as he had instructed. When he sensed Githany approaching from behind him, he turned. She was holding a bowl of steaming soup and wore a cautious, uncertain expression. It will be another hour before they are ready to begin this ritual of yours, she said by way of greeting. When he didn't reply, she added, You look tired. I brought you something to restore your strength. He took the bowl from her, but didn't raise it to his lips. He'd discovered the ritual he spoke of while studying Revan's holocron. A way to unite the minds and spirits of the Sith through a single vessel so their strength could be unleashed upon the physical world. In many ways, the process was similar to the one used to fashion a thought bomb from the Force, though this was less powerful than the ritual he'd sent as a peace offering to Khan, and far less dangerous. He realized Githany was still studying him closely, so he tilted his head toward the soup. Come to poison me again? he asked. There was just a hint of playful teasing in his voice. You knew all along, didn't you? She said. He shook his head. Not until I tasted the poison on your lips. She raised a single eyebrow and gave him a coy smile. But you came back for a second helping. And a third. Poison should not harm a Dark Lord, he told her. Then he admitted, yet it almost killed me. He paused, but she didn't say anything. There are too many Sith Lords in the Brotherhood, he went on. Too many who are weak in the dark side. Khan doesn't understand this. Khan's afraid you've come back to take over the Brotherhood. After a moment, she added, I think he's right. Not take over, he thought, but obliterate. He didn't bother to correct her, though. It wasn't the time, yet. He still needed further proof that she was the right one to become his apprentice. Two, there should be. No more, no less. One to embody the power, the other to crave it. It was a choice he wasn't about to rush into. I can show you the true power of the dark side, Githany. Power beyond what any of these others can even imagine, he said. Teach me, she breathed. I want to learn. You can show me everything. After you've taken Khan's place as leader of the Brotherhood. He couldn't help but wonder if she was still trying to manipulate him. Did she want to play him and Khan against each other? Or was she looking for him to usurp Khan as proof of his newfound strength? No, he admitted. She still doesn't understand that the entire Sith Order must be torn apart and rebuilt from scratch. Maybe she won't ever understand. Tell me something, he said. Was it your idea to poison me, or Khan's? With a slight laugh, she ducked beneath his arm, holding the bowl of soup, and came up close against his chest, looking right up into his eyes. It was my idea, she confessed. But I was careful to make sure Khan thought it was his. There might be hope for her yet, Bane thought. I know I made a mistake before, she continued, moving away from him. I should have gone with you when you left Korriban. I didn't realize what you were after. I didn't understand the secrets you were seeking. But I understand them now. You are the true leader of the Sith Bane. I'll follow you from now on. 
and so will the rest of the Brotherhood after we use your ritual to destroy the Jedi. Yes, he agreed, keeping his voice carefully neutral and taking a sip of the steaming soup. After we've destroyed the Jedi. Bane knew they couldn't really destroy the Jedi. Not here in Rusan. Not like this. Somehow, the Jedi would survive. No ordinary war could completely eliminate the servants of the light. Only the tools of the dark side, cunning, secrecy, treachery, betrayal, could do that. The same tools he would use to wipe out the entire Brotherhood of Darkness. Beginning with the ritual tonight. This was a pretty good chapter, but it was a filler chapter to continue the story. No real action or excitement. You know the parts that I like the most. But without these types of chapters, there wouldn't be no story. So a quick recap of the events in this chapter. The Jedi and Sith fleet in space are at a stalemate right now. So it was easy for Bane to sneak by. He landed on the planet and headed to the Sith camp. On his way to the Sith camp, he runs into a wounded Sith. He stops the Sith heads in with his boot and continues on his way. Khan and the other Sith were having a war meeting. Bane interrupts the meeting by blocking the light. Khan and Giffany are shocked to see him. Bane tells Khan that he is acting like a dirt general and not a dark lord of the Sith. Then Bane accuses him of trying to poison him. Khan denies the accusations. Bane tells Khan not to apologize for using cunning and trickery, which I don't understand because Khan denied it, but whatever. But then Bane tells them how they can destroy the entire forest that the Jedi were hiding in. As they were preparing to execute Bane's plan, Giffany brings him a bowl of soup. If I were Bane, I would have just thrown it in her face, but that just would have been my reaction. They talked about her poisoning him like it was some kind of game. Then they talked about Khan and the Brotherhood. Bane is still contemplating recruiting her as his apprentice. Then she tells him to take Khan's place in the Brotherhood. I wish he would just kill her and get it over with, but he still got those Google eyes over her. Then she tells him that after they destroy the Jedi, they all would follow him from now on. But Bane knew that they couldn't destroy the Jedi, not in a simple war like they had been fighting. He would have to use the weapons of the Sith, cunning, secrecy, treachery, and betrayal. The same tools that he had planned to use on the Sith. Like I said earlier, not a bad chapter. Okay, okay, let's get to some news and rumors. So what do we have for you today? A new rumor has popped up stating that Star Wars reboot featuring Rey's son is now in development. Disney reportedly developing a reboot of the core Star Wars storyline. It will have a brand new adventure set in a galaxy far, far away. Now this is according to a leaker and YouTuber Mike Zero. And if you have ever heard of Mike, you know to take this with a grain of salt. But he said that the Mandalorian's own John Favreau, the reigning head of Disney Plus, said we will see Daisy Ridley's character Rey Skywalker again. But this time she will be given giving birth to a Force-sensitive son, borrowing heavily on the now non-canon Star Wars Legends material. This child is said to be named Cade Skywalker, the spirit of Ben Solo knocking her up in the climax of The Rise of Skywalker. Honestly, I hope this stays a rumor. Disney, don't make this or any other movie like this. Zero says that while Risley's offspring will bear the name of the popular character from Legends, it's currently unclear how Kanan's version will differ, if at all. In Legends, Kate is described as a smuggler and a bounty hunter, but he is able to use the power of his ancestor, a descendant of Luke. How much of this will change with Pharaoh's interpretation? That is if any of this crap is even true. We want to know what you think. Is this a worthwhile direction to take Star Wars in the future? Shoot us an email with your thoughts. Now on to the quote for this week, and it comes to us from Henry Ford. He said, when everything seems to be going against you, remember that an airplane takes off against the wind, not in the same direction as it. 
Mankind has shown throughout time, it is when he is at the bottom of the mountain that he musters what it takes not only to climb it, but to scale down the other side. It is in your DNA as a human to achieve and overcome. Stop wasting time waiting for the world to give you something. This giant world owes you nothing. And if you do nothing, it doesn't care. It will keep spinning like you ain't even there. You have to take control of your life. You can only overcome something once you have decided to achieve something. And I think that's where we're going to end this episode. We will see you next week as we continue with chapter 28. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.